Anybody? I think that couple does. Jules, Pastor Jules, he's actually an evangelist and a pastor. He, uh, they have been here a number of times recently, just come and visit because their grandkids go to our church. And Heidi happens to be uh, Jules and Lynette's daughter, Heidi Terrell, and, and uh, so Brock is the son-in-law. And um, we are so thankful. Pastor Jules wrote a book that we have available for people to read and um, about his testimony. He's got an amazing testimony. He's what you would call a cowboy preacher. And um, God sent him for a season to New York City and to Detroit in another season, and he did an awful lot of ministry, and he stood out as a Nebraskan rancher with a cowboy hat on and big boots. And God really used him in many people's lives. He's going to bring a really powerful word this next Sunday. I wish I could be here, but Brooke and I are going to be helping install the new pastors in Mitchell. So we're not going to be here, but I'm excited, and I get to watch Jules on the video after the service. So praise God for that. All right. We have finished the series that I was doing on Jonah a while, a little while ago, and today I'm going to actually get, we're going to do a, a few different topics over the next few weeks called um, Down Where We Live, Down Where We Live, kind of a little series of trying to, if you particularly have topics that you want me to preach on or to teach on, this is the time to submit those, maybe write them down on a piece of paper and let me know or email me or text me, and uh, we're going to... I'm going to be covering some of those topics, and the one that I'm going to talk about today is called All My Trials, Lord, and, and it's based on some situations and some circumstances that have prompted me to, to bring a word this morning about how do we look at the trials that we are going through? How do we look at the obstacles in our faith, in our, in our way, the obstacles in our way? How many of you have a cell phone this morning and have... Um, uh, have an app on it for looking at the weather. How many people? How many people got a weather app? Okay, that's about 90%. So it's interesting that we all have a weather app because we all want to know what's going to happen today. I get up in the morning and my wife goes, how hot is it going to be today? Is it going to be windy? I go, well, let me look at my app. And I pull out my phone and she goes, honey, it's going to be 84 today and 15 mile an hour winds or whatever. And that tells her how what, ladies? How to dress, exactly. It, us guys, it, it tells us whether or not we can work outside or not, I guess, about other things. But um, this morning, um, we are all interested in the weather, but Jesus asked us in Matthew 16 if we were interested in knowing what was going to happen in the spiritual weather of our lives. And in Matthew 16, verses 2 and 3, Jesus says to the, the Pharisees, you know the saying... Red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times, what's going on. And so Jesus is saying, you need to understand what is going on around you. And, and, and so I want to talk a little bit about every one of us goes through times where we face horrendous things in our lives. Today is a day that Brooke and I, this week is a hard week for us because 14 years ago, we celebrate, well, tomorrow on July 4th, 
we celebrate the birth of our son who died in a car wreck 14 years ago when he was 19 and a half. And so that was probably the worst year of my life. And maybe Brooke would say the same. Because what we went through, it was just horrendous. But it was also a time where God really, really helped us. And so I want to ask, how many people could say without having to say any details, I'm going through some trials right now in my life. Okay, well, I appreciate the honesty. Good. Well, I, I believe that today's word will hopefully be an encouragement to you. A really important question to ask is, where exactly or is my trial coming from? Or what is the reason why I'm going through what I'm going through? And before we're going to take a look at that and look at some of the different reasons why we have these trials in our lives. But the first thing I want to ask you is, do you really believe that God cares about you and is going to help you through the trial you're going through or you've, that you've been through? Do you really believe that he's there to help you? In Matthew 9, Jesus said, or we read that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. How many people have felt confused and helpless? Man, I have. <laughs> so no fun at all. And I just want to, again, encourage you that you can follow along with the outline either on your app, on your Calvary app, on tithe.ly, or you can get one of the sheets of the, of the outline behind Rosie over there on the shelf if you want one of those this morning to follow along. So we also read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. How many of you know that's a good thing? Yes, that's a good thing. And so this morning, the first thing you have to be convinced of is God is on your side. He wants you to go through and rise above and successfully navigate the stuff you're dealing with in your life as much as you do. You know, we read, we read the book of Job and we're like, oh gosh, what Job had to go through. And yet when we read the end of the story, we see that Job is not angry at God anymore. He's not confused. He's not desperate. He's going, wow, God, I had no idea you were there for me. You've got it all under control, and everything is going to be fine. And the end of Job's life was so much better than anything he had ever been through. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you're going through a trial, God has got good things He's going to do in the midst of that, and He's going to bring you through it. He's going to bring you through it. Do I hear an amen out there? Okay, well, it's, it'll hopefully be a little stronger in a little bit. Um, when I was in Bible college, just dating myself a little bit, there was a song that came out by the Imperials. I don't know if anybody remembers the Imperials. Maybe Julie does, or maybe uh, Earl and Eddie. But they sang a song that says, He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. And I always, I always thought, wow, that is so true. Why is it 
we have a hard time remembering that in the middle of our trial, but we do. We've got to remember that our God is for us. And we're going to read a passage at the end of this morning that's going to just really help you remember that. So I want to skip ahead a slide, Dale. And uh, Well, no, I'll go ahead and do it. Um, it's really important that we understand something about ourselves. And that is, I'm going to read the verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which Paul says, May the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So you and I are made up of three dimensions, three parts. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. And you know what? Each of those areas can get attacked and can deal with tribulation in its own way. How many of you know that your body can have tribulations? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the older I get, the more gravity is taking its toll. And uh, a few other things. And then our soul, which is our mind and will and emotions, we deal with all kinds of stuff, depression, anxiety, and fear, and restlessness, and confusion, some of the things, sadness, grief, those are all afflictions of our soul. And then our spirit, we read, can be vexed. Our spirit can be tormented by the enemy. Our spirit's that part of us that communes with God in the spiritual world. So it's really important that when we start going through stuff in our lives, that we say, God, what is going on here? Is this something, am I being attacked in my body? Is this something where an area of my mind, you want to do something in my soul? Or do you want to do something to free me in a greater degree spiritually? So we're going to look at this. We're going to look at um, five different sources of trials. So let's move to that slide, Dale. There they are. The first one is, they did it to me. How many of you have heard of they? They is anybody else. Okay? It's where other people are affecting your life. Um, some of us remember um, just a few months ago, um, we know the, many of you know the Boness family and Blythe, who was, I think, 21 years old, was driving home and she was driving down the highway and a drunk driver hit her and she died. It was a horrendous, horrendous loss. A beautiful young lady with a very promising future. Family loved her to pieces. And all of a sudden, the actions of another person that were irresponsible, it was a drunk driver, a young man, hit her and killed her, crossed over, and he survived, but she didn't. Horrible thing. I bet every one of us can think of a situation where somebody else's actions affected your life in a very negative way. If I was to take, stop and, and give you the mic and, and, and just pass it around, the stories that we would hear would probably amaze us all. It's all through the Bible, too. All through the Bible. Um, in, in Acts chapter 27, the Apostle Paul is on a ship and with, a, with like 247 people. And, and it's, they're on a sailing ship, and they're going to Rome from the Holy Land. And uh, they get into this one port, and Paul looks, and the Lord shows him that the weather's not going to be good. 
And he tells the captain of the ship and the centurion, he says, you guys, don't leave port. We're going to have a serious shipwreck if we go out in this weather that's coming. And they wouldn't listen to Paul. And so Paul, who was a prisoner, had to go along, and they took off out of the port, and a storm hit them. And they were in this storm for like two weeks solid. They said they didn't eat anything for two weeks because the the storm was so bad. They threw all the ship's tackle, all the cargo overboard, and they were finally shipwrecked. And because of Paul's faithfulness and prayers, uh, nobody died from drowning. They all were able to land safely on an island. But that ship owner lost everything in in that ship. And it was a big ship if it could handle 247 people. How many of you this morning can look at your look back in your past a little bit and say, yeah, somebody did something that really affected my life, my family's life? It's a really, really hard thing. So when we when our trial comes from somebody else's actions, and this is going to happen to all of us at some point. What is our solution? What, are, what is it that we primarily have to do in order to get past that trial? What did you say, Jay? Yeah. Jay said it starts with F. Forgive. I talked to a pastor friend this about a week ago. And um, back in 19... You know, back in the dark ages. Uh, Brooke and I were young marrieds with, with three little kids. We were in a church that split. And the, there were two main leaders in the church. And they um, fell out. And they began to treat one another horribly, say horrible things. And the one leader left and took a bunch of people with him. And the other leader left and took a bunch of people with him. And one of the associate pastors was left holding the bag. In other words, left with the people that were left in the church. And Brooke and I were part of that. We stayed there and, and, and uh, helped out there. We were working with youth back then. And um, I talked to one of the leaders just recently and found out. I said, did those two leaders ever make up? Here it is 30 years, 40 years, 35 years later. And he said, you know what? They still are bitter at one another. They have not forgiven. These are major, supposedly mature, godly men that have not been able to forgive. What's going to happen to them when they stand before Jesus if they don't deal with that before they meet Him? Matthew chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, Jesus says, When you are praying, and he's using an example of the Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive those who have sinned against you. And then he says, if you don't forgive them, what will happen? That's exactly right, Melba. God will not forgive you. Now, I feel like, from what I'm hearing, this is a huge thing for Most people. I mean, for me, I have had to go through this forgiving my dad, forgiving a pastor in my life or two. And and when you're in the middle of it, when you've been hurt and wounded, you can't see 
how important it is to forgive. I don't know what it is. When we get injured, we get offended, we, all we can think about is we're right and they're wrong. But I'll tell you what, if we die and we have not released and forgiven them, there's going to be a huge loss. I don't know if it means you'll lose your salvation, but I do believe at least it means that whatever you end up being in heaven is going to be far less than God has called you to be. And so I just exhort you this morning, you ask Holy Spirit, is there anybody who has wounded me in my life, wounded my family, that I have not forgiven? And forgiven doesn't mean forgetting it, and necessarily doesn't mean sweeping it under the carpet. It means giving it to God and letting God handle the justice side of the issue. Letting God deal with any correction. But releasing that person to God and being able to bless them and saying, I pray that God will help you get right with Him, but I choose to release you today to God. This is so important. I pray that none of us in this house this morning are going are to stand before Jesus and Jesus is going to go, you've refused to forgive someone after I died on the cross and forgave you. Couldn't you give them to me? The second source of our problems, our trials, is I did it to me. First one was they did it to me. Now I did it to me. How many of you know this morning that we're often the source of our own problems? We cause our own situations. Proverbs 27, 12, one of my favorite Proverbs, says a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. In other words, a wise person sees trouble coming and, and prepares for it. But a simple person goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. How many of us this morning can think of a situation where we created a mess that affected our lives and maybe the lives of our loved ones? We made choices that hurt us and hurt others. Um, there's so many stories in the Bible. Um, I'm not going to go into I'm, I'm going to tell you one story. I have a dear friend who uh, I was actually a youth pastor when he was in my youth group years and years ago. And uh, he and his wife um, were friends of mine. They were married for probably 35 years. And just two years ago now, I called him up and talked to him. He said, my wife left me about six months ago, and he was just devastated. This is about a year ago. And, um, and so over the months, as we've talked periodically on the phone, he shared more and more of what went on. It led to that. And the hardest thing for him now is he realizes that he is the biggest reason why his wife finally pulled the plug on their marriage. He is the biggest reason. And he couldn't even see it until she'd been gone a year. And now, finally, he's beginning to see it. And he's continuing to pray for God if there's any hope to restore his marriage. And you know what? We don't know. We don't know. Sometimes that happens and it's wonderful. Sometimes people just go on. 
So can you think of a situation in your life where you really did something stupid that had a horrible impact on the people around you? When I was um, a young teenager, I had a dear friend who had a sister who was 12 years old. My friend was 13, and I think I was 14 or 15. And um, we were out at their lake, water skiing and boating and stuff. And, and um, some boys came by in a boat, and they saw his, his sister on the beach playing, and they said, hey, who's the girl there? with your friend, and, and I, 12-year-old me, or 14-year-old me said, you wouldn't care about her, she's a dog. I said that. It was probably one of the meanest things I've ever done in my life. And um, about four years later, she committed suicide. And it broke me. It broke me. I, I, I had a hand in destroying a person's life. Now, she, she was a believer, and I believe she's with the Lord today because I wasn't the only thing that contributed to her death. I believe there was some real serious depression and things like that. But what I did didn't help a bit. And um, I, I have gone to the family, and I've asked them to forgive me for the things I said that day. I'm sure they remembered. We were all at the beach together. But it's so important when we do things that devastate other people that we own it, we confess it, we repent of it and turn away and cry out for God to restore and redeem the situation. So when I do it to me, the answer is in repenting and restarting. Repenting and restarting. You know what? When David fled from Saul and he went to a, a place where he went to the priests and he said, please give me some bread, I'm starving and, and I need a sword. And so they gave him these loaves from the, that were left, had, had already come out from the presence of the Lord, which the law allowed people to do. And they gave him Goliath's sword, which he had actually earned. And then David fled, and then, but there was a guy there that saw them helping David. And he went and he told King Saul, who was David's mortal enemy. And what did King Saul do? Any of you remember the story? He killed that priest and all of his family that he could find because he was so mad that they helped David. And the only survivor was, a, was a, one of the priest's sons named Abiathar, and he went to David and said, David, they've killed all my family. Can you imagine how David felt? I'm sure to some degree he felt responsible. He told Biathar, he said, you stay with me, I'm going to take care of you the rest of your life. But David wrote a psalm about this, I think it's Psalm 52. And in that psalm, he talks about that guy that betrayed him, and he calls down curses on him. But he says this, he says, but I, speaking of himself, I am like a young green olive tree in the house of the Lord. Even though David had a hand in that whole situation, he was able to forgive himself and keep going on with God. And some of us this morning have done things that we regret and we are so ashamed of. Like I am ashamed of what I did that day as a 14-year-old boy. 
We have got to be able to take our shame to Jesus. We have got to be able to receive His forgiveness after we've confessed it to Him. And we've got to be able to go on in our lives. Because if the enemy, if you allow the enemy to keep using that to beat you up, you're going to be stuck. You're not going to be able to be used by the Lord to do the things that He wants to do through your life and He wants to bless you with. So some of you this morning are hearing this, and it's for you. You need to be able, after you've confessed it to God, to forgive yourself and move on because you cannot change your past. The third source of a trial is life did it to me. Life did it to me. Not my friend or another person, not myself, but I just got caught up in the circumstances of life. It could be a tornado, a hurricane, a tsunami, an epidemic, a pandemic. How many of you guys know that life happened to us when COVID got passed around? Life happened to us and some of our friends and family and connections, relatives, didn't make it. It took them out. Thank God, I'm so thankful, our church family has done so well. God has graced us. I'll never have the same, well, I hope I will. I, it changed my taste and my smell. It's weird. I had COVID twice. And uh, I just thank God that it's mostly returned. But life happens to us. Circumstances, accidents happen. And, of course, that probably is more fits under somebody else did it. But there are things that happen in Luke chapter 13. Jesus says to some people that come up to him and said, what about this accident that happened to these people? And they got killed. He said in Luke 13, verse 4, what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? Jesus said, no. I tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too. Jesus is saying there, basically, life happens to people. Bad things happen to good people. But that's not the main point. The perspective is we all die and we don't know how much time we have. And so he said, you better repent, which means get right in your relationship with God before you don't have an opportunity to do that anymore. Because if you die and you haven't repented, then you've got to deal with eternity separated from God in darkness and torment. So Jesus is saying, you know what? Things happen. You can't prevent them. Some of us have been helicopter parents, which is a fancy term for trying to be overprotective. But you know how many of you parents say this morning, you know, you can be the best parent in the world and you can't control everything. You cannot protect your little ones especially if you send them off to public school or send them out in the neighborhood to play. Stuff can happen. And we have to believe that everything flows through the hands of God and that He really is in control. That if we pray for our little ones, we commit them into the hands of the Lord and we trust God, He's going to take care of things. Yeah, sure, they can make bad choices like my son did driving too fast on a dirt road not knowing there was a 90-degree corner in his little sports car. That's what happened. So I know, 
a year before that happened, he gave his life to Jesus at summer camp. And I just read a little testimony he wrote just last night. We were looking through some of his stuff. I'm so glad he's with Jesus. We've got to have a better perspective, a true perspective on life and death. This life is going to be like a shadow once you cross over. You're going to have such little memory of this, these measly 70, 80, 90 years of earth life. Eternity is, we can't even fathom eternity. It's going to be, it's going to so fill our vision, we're going to forget. It's going to be like a woman that was in labor to have a baby, and when she was in labor, it was terrible. And when she had the baby, she forgot the labor, mostly, until her husband said, let's have another one. No. No, but honestly, we've got to get over thinking death is the end. Death is the beginning for us. Death is what we have hope that there is a resurrected life beyond death. And we've got to stop looking at death as some horrible thing. It happens to everyone. All of us will have a tombstone somewhere or our ashes will be scattered somewhere. None of us get out of that unless Jesus returns. Those that are living will be caught up to be with him. That's going to be a pretty small percentage of all the people in heaven. I thought at one point I was going to be around for the rapture, but looking more and more like I may not make that. I may have to uh, be one of those ones that comes down to join you that get raptured, or those that, if you're young enough, to be raptured. But this morning, life will do things to you. And the key thing when life does something to you is to be able to accept and go on and trust God that He's going to help you. What's it say on there? Yeah. R and E. Well, that was the previous. No, that was the, that was the right one. R and that was the one that was. Um, yeah, I think it was that one. Go deeper and go through it. Go deeper and go through it. So I I put it in the wrong spot. Okay. Remember eternity. Ask God to give you an eternal perspective. Now, one thing about life's challenges, sometimes when you're in the middle of a storm, like Jesus is in the middle of a storm on the sea, God wants you to address the storm. Remember Jesus got up out of the boat when they woke him up, and he said, peace, be still, and the storm stopped. And sometimes when you're under a, an attack, and you think it might be a spiritual attack, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, you need to speak to the storm. You don't just accept it. You actually confront it. All right, so let's go to number four. God did it to me. This is when you are going through a trial because God did it to you. Can you think of anybody in the Bible that went through a trial because God did it to them? Job, yes. <laughs> Job, how about Jonah? Remember, we just talked about Jonah. He got on that boat to run away from God, and what did God do? He made it very hard on Jonah. He sent a big storm, and they had to throw him overboard, and then the water immediately went still. And so you could tell it was God. And then it says the sailors worshipped the God of Jonah. Paul talks about a storm or a thorn in his life in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. He said, I got such wonderful revelations from God that God, to keep me from becoming prideful, 
he gave me a, quote, thorn in the flesh. You're going, what is a thorn in the flesh? Paul explains it. He says it was a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think most of us have a hard time relating to what Paul's talking about here, but there is a situation where God, in His mercy, will allow you to be afflicted so that you don't become proud, prideful. And I'm sure there are other instances, too, of why God allows things to happen is to develop our character and to be able to cause us to be more dependent on the Lord. How many of you can say, yeah, I think there's times when God has actually brought discipline into my life, has actually hedged me in, or God has allowed tough circumstances to cause me to come to Him? You see a lot of people doing this. We read that when David got anointed as king, remember Saul was the current king, and Saul was popular, good-looking, everything was going great for him, and then Saul began to wander away from God, and uh, he wouldn't come back, and he eventually lost his kingdom. But it says that when David was anointed king, he went through like years and years of being chased around the wilderness by Saul. And, you know, you may think it's Saul was the problem, but really God was trying to do something in David's heart so that when he became king and got all this power and authority, he wouldn't turn out to be another Saul. God knows the potential of our arrogance and our pride in our lives to take credit for things and to begin to think that somehow we're better than other people. And God allowed David to experience a lot of breaking and a lot of weakness, and a lot of persecution, so that he would be a man after God's own heart. And I wish it didn't have to be that way. Uh, famous preacher A.W. Tozer says that God can use no man greatly unless he hurts him deeply. Boy, that's hard to take. God can use no man greatly unless he hurts him deeply. You know, I don't know if the loss of my son, that's part of why God allowed that. But it has worked something in my life much, much deeper. It has brought me much closer to the Lord. It's, it's actually removed the fear of death from my life to a great degree. And for that, I'm thankful. I'd love to have my son back, but I'm going to have him back for eternity. So it's just a matter of being patient now. The fifth source of trials is the devil did it to me. The devil did it to me. That's the one that most of us kind of, um, that's kind of like our automatic go-to. <laughs> Anybody remember a guy named Flip Wilson from the 70s? And he, he had a famous phrase, the devil made me do it. Well, this is kind of a variation of that. But this is talking about spiritual attack 
where what you're going through is actually a demonic attack from the enemy. Most of us are familiar with C.S. Lewis, famous Christian author. He died in the same day John F. Kennedy did, I think. But he said there's two extremes for believers. Either they don't believe there's a real devil, or they believe that the devil causes everything that goes wrong in their life. And those are two extremes. There is a devil, and no, he doesn't have unlimited power and authority, and he's not the one responsible for everything that happens bad in your life. But he is responsible for some things. And the cool thing is, is that God has given you and me weapons and tools to learn how to deal with our spiritual adversary. You know, we had a situation where, um, where a person we were working with was suicidal. And the question was, is it a demonic thing? Is it are they suicidal because the enemy is attacking them? Or is it, are there other factors? And you know, most situations like that that I've had to dealt with, deal with have been a mix. It's been, yeah, the enemy was taking advantage of it, but he was taking advantage of somebody who had opened a door in their life through whatever it would be, pornography or watching horror movies or watching, you know, whatever, movies that traumatized them with fear. When we open doors to the enemy through ongoing disobedience in our lives and things like that, we let the enemy in. And Brooke and I have been called to many homes over the years where people said, we've got demons in our house. And we, don't, we need to know how to get rid of them. And usually the first thing that we tell them is that when you go to the garbage dump, you see a lot of rats, right? I used to go shoot rats at the garbage dump. And why are there rats at the garbage dump? Because there's garbage, right? The rats eat the garbage. If you don't want rats in your life, when I'm calling rats or what I call demons or unclean spirits, Usually, if there's rats in your life, it's because there's garbage to eat. And so one of the first things we ask people is, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you inviting into your home? And if you've got major stuff going on in your home that's not godly, you're opening your home to the enemy to come in and harass you. He usually comes in after you've invited those things. So... I want us to be careful that we don't just to blame everything that it's a demonic attack. We always need to go to the Lord first and say, Lord, what's going on here? Help me understand, have I opened a door through my disobedience or whatever? Um, in in uh, Luke chapter 9, we read about an epileptic, which is uh, epilepsy is a, uh, a health issue, right? But in this case, in, in Luke chapter 9, it was not a health, it was a health issue and it was a spiritual issue. We had a little boy that was throwing himself into the fire. And, 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 in this, in this, and Jesus said, I'm going to read it in verse 42. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Did you notice he did two things? He dealt with the spiritual aspect in his, the boy's spirit. And he dealt with a physical aspect in the boy's body. He healed him. He delivered him and he healed him. When you've got issues going on where you know there's a demonic element, it's usually a combination of things. And that's why you have to address 
both those sources in your physical body. Um, when we get somebody dealing with epilepsy, and how many people have had somebody in their life that had epilepsy? Yeah. Um, we need to be able to know, yeah, are they taking their medicine? Are they, and we need to ask the Lord, Lord, is there something, is this just a chemical issue with the wiring of their brain, or is there something more here that we need to deal with? We don't automatically just, just believe it's, the, it's a demonic thing, but we need to be open to that. Um, I have a pastor friend in, uh, who was in Croatia, and uh, he wrote this. He said, this is just two weeks ago, Saturday night I was at a church in Varidzin, Croatia. I ministered to a family coming out of generational witchcraft influence. And there's again the garbage that the rats are eating, witchcraft. The eight-year-old is horrified of the dark. At night her bed moves, doors open and close, and battery-operated toys go on and off. In case it was an active imagination, maybe TV or movie inspired, I asked if the mother and father also saw these manifestations. They said, absolutely. Whenever she screams and they run to the room, they see it all. We dealt with those spiritual influences in the name of Jesus. First, they made Jesus Lord of their lives. Then we prayed to make Jesus Lord of their home taking authority over any spiritual forces and filling their home with his peace. The outcome was they wept as the Lord filled them with joy and peace. And their little girl didn't have any more problems. So next week, I'm going to finish this, or not next week, when I come back in two weeks, I'm going to finish this. We're going to talk about how do you deal with demonic issues that are attacking you and your loved ones and it's a very important area. I'm going um, to be ordering some vials of anointing oil for you to use. I've got one in my keychain, my other keychain. But they're like this, but they're smaller, and they attach to your keychain. They've got a little loop, and they go out in your keychain. I'm going to order those. There's a slide that shows what they look like. Go down a couple slides, Dale. Keep going. One more. One more. Right there. I'm going to order those. But I want to close by reading the previous slide from Romans chapter 8. And I want us to read this out loud together, and then I'm going to pray. So let's do that together, okay, would you? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing will ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. This morning, I believe there's some people that need to make some decisions to forgive, maybe to forgive God, certainly to forgive others that have wounded you and hurt you, and perhaps to forgive yourself.
over things that have happened that you are ashamed of. And I want to make opportunity if there's anybody here that does, has never actually made Jesus Lord, like my friend uh, Pastor Mark talked about with that couple that their daughter was tormented. First thing he did was help them make Jesus Lord because then they now had authority spiritually over all the power of the enemy. So if there's anybody here this morning that has never said, Jesus, I recognize you are God, that you are the one that came as a gift from God, died for my sins on the cross, and rose again to show me that you really are God and that there is resurrection and eternal life, I want to surrender now today and give you my life and start walking with you. If that's you this morning, I pray that you would come and pray this morning. And I want to invite people to come up after the service to be prayed for. And I'll be glad to agree in prayer with you as you do business with the Lord today. So let's pray. Gracious Jesus, we love you. And we thank you so much for the power of your word. Lord, we all face these horrible things in this life. You've not allowed life on earth to be very comfortable. And I believe you've got a very good reason for that, Lord. Because I think if it got real comfortable, we would all just kick back and not even follow you. So, Lord, we just want to, in faith, thank you for the things that we go through that push us closer to you. Help us this morning, Lord, to really evaluate and listen to your spirit as he speaks to us about decisions we need to make, business we need to do, where we forgive, forgive you, forgive ourselves, Forgive those who have hurt us and devastated us and our loved ones. Help us, Lord, to have perspective that this earthly life is going to be over so fast. And we will stand before you, Lord. Help us to get the baggage that we're carrying around offloaded now. So when we come, we can come in confidence to you. So I just thank you for your word and I ask that you'd work deeply as we go. And we bless you and thank you for this day. We pray for America, Lord, this nation that is so in such upheaval, Lord. How desperately we need a spiritual revival, God, and we cry out for that. I pray, Lord, that you would not let us give up praying and to continue to cry out for our nation, for people to know you, to be transformed by you. That's You're our hope, Lord. You're our hope. And we put our futures into your hands. We bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to come forward if the Holy Spirit's been speaking.